take your Bible to Matthew 26, verses 38, 39. I'm going to go to a few places. I'm going to go to Mark. I'm going to Luke and John. But I, you don't have to turn there. Um, my method, I was taught in school. You, you know, when you go to college, and you go, you're taught how to preach by old veterans that preached most of their life. And it was really, I'm deeply appreciative of, of them guiding me in the way I should go. One of the, I was telling them, I, I preached to my wife. My wife gets most of my sermons that are never that are never preached, my unspoken messages. And so I, I, was, I was teaching her some uh, hermeneutics this morning. She, she didn't seem real happy about it. I don't know why, but I was trying to tell her that uh, a sermon should be able to be summarized in one sentence. You should be able to leave here and say one sentence will show some. It's like writing a paper. You have a thesis statement. And if you write a paper, you have to summarize what you're going to do. A paper may be 75 pages long. I wrote a paper one time, 75 pages long. One sentence summarizes it. And that focuses you and sharpens your pencil and makes you keep you from rabbit trailing all over the place and, and having some superfluous information that really doesn't have anything to do with that one purpose. So this morning I have really one purpose. One sentence, which I'm not going to tell you until we get down in there. Well, I don't want to take suspense away. But anyway, the title of the message is The Two Cups. The Two Cups. This came to me while I was catching walleye on the Missouri River. The Two Cups. There's a false teaching prevalent, probably been prevalent since the time of the disciples. Maybe not that early, a little bit later possibly it came up. Uh, it's among what we call the health and wealth preachers, mostly in our day on TV and some mainline denominations. I just heard of a TV preacher that uh, said that God wants him to have a $54 million jet. I think he's got two other jets already, or three other jets he owns already. Imagine Jesus. Imagine Jesus. What do you think of that? Um. But this guy will try to justify it, and they do a job of justifying it. And uh, there's no end to how they will fleece God's people. And it seems like there's no end to people that will be fleeced. Because, you know, you can't give only so much credit to him. I mean, you got to have people to give the money, right? I remember when old Roberts got up one time and says, God's going to kill me unless I get $8 million. I said, well, we'll see you in heaven. They gave eight million bucks. People gave eight million bucks. Yeah, unbelievable. If if I don't get <laughs> the reason I never do that is because people say Hallelujah, finally. <laughs> yeah, like I said, if I don't get a million dollars by Friday, you know, a guy's gonna kill me and they'll say good. But this false teaching. I have trouble anybody believing it. But there are millions. There's a guy over in Texas with black hair, curly black hair, that flock to his preaching, which is health and basically the old line, health and wealth, um, that the Christian life is going to, should be and always should be positive, favorable, enjoyable, and full of happiness. Once a person gets saved, however, trusts Christ under those pretenses, they quickly find out differently as they live. 
And, and often I've met those folks who are disillusioned, discouraged, and many times bewildered that maybe something was wrong with them because it worked for that guy, and if it didn't work for me, so there must be something wrong with me, and God let me down. Oftentimes those folks will get mad at God. There's a lot of people out there today that are mad at God, folks. There's a lot of people mad at God. They're angry with God because he didn't fulfill every wish that they may have had or, or trouble came into their life. I think one of the reasons they get mad is they're not taught the truth from the Bible about what the Christian life's going to be like. It would be better, the Bible says, uh, uh, he that rebuketh the man afterward findeth more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. If I tell you the truth, but it's not pleasant to you, as time goes on, I'm going to be your friend. You're going to come to me and say, you told me the truth, even though it was hard truth, and I'm your, your The guy that tells you health and wealth, he's eventually not going to be your friend, and you're going to realize he's false, and it was a lie, and it wasn't so. The Bible does not portray our Christian lives as this easy. We have two cups that we drink from. Two cups in this life are set before us, and I think we see the Christian cup appropriately so partake, partaken by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus' words, Then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. Now we're talking about the creator of all that is. Oh, my father, if it be possible, if it be possible. He had said in other places, there's, all things are possible. Let this cup, this cup, what's being given to me, what's being dished out to me, pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou. In Mark, it reads it like this, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. In Luke, it says it this way, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In John, he says this, he says, Then said Jesus to Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. This is when they were coming to get him. The cup, the cup, with which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So Jesus represents the events that were about to happen to him as a cup, as you would represent a cup filled with something, and you're asked to drink it. And so Jesus says, should I not drink what God has given me? When you get saved, each of us, I believe, is given a cup to drink from by God. Each cup is different than other cups. Uh, all, however, have one thing in common. The cup is given to us by God, especially tailored for your life. It, this cup gives and has the right ingredients for your life for you to be successful as God defines success and to grow in Christ as God defines grow. Because God knows the beginning and the end. He knows who I am. He made me. And so he gives me, he dishes out for me, he pours out for me in this cup what's, what's best for me. Do you believe that? Believest thou this? 
Oh, if you don't, as a Christian, you're going to have such a hard time. And I, I want you to get this real good. My cup is not your cup. That's deep, isn't it? But my cup's not your cup. I can give you my testimony of how God worked in my life and what I've had happen and all this, but that really isn't your cup. Your cup's different than my cup. We all come from different places, and God gives us all. It makes sense. We're as different. The Bible, the Bible says, the Bible says, science says there's no two snowflakes the same. And I can guarantee you there's no two human beings exactly the same. Now, we may look the same. There may be a double for you out there. I always say, I got a double ugly. But I mean, there's no two people. That may person may look like me, but it is not me by any, by any stretch of imagination. We dare not concentrate on what others and what kind of cup others have been given, but should concentrate on the cup that God has given us and us alone. Because when we compare our cup to other people's cup, we're going we're gonna to commit an error and we're going to have sin enter in our lives, sometimes covetously, because that cup seems like a better cup than what I got. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The cup of God that God gives a Christian is, off, is often, as a general pattern, bitter at the beginning. And in some cases, it can be bitter all the way through this life. You do not have to look too far historically to see this to be true. Famous people like Judson and Carey and Hudson and Livingston and Spurgeon all drank the cup that God gave them. Now, these cups were bitter in anybody's estimation and hard to swallow really all of their lives. People say, young preachers say, boy, if I could be like C.H. Spurgeon, read his biography. Read his biography written by Richard Day in 1935. Read that biography. And you'll go, I don't know if I want to be like Spurgeon. He died in pain. He had gout before they had any kind of medicine for gout. He would have bouts of migraines that he'd be in a dark room for 30 days before they had any medicine for migraines. He had pneumonia, took him out of the pulpit for 2,000 years. And they had 5,000 people showing up. How would you like not to be able to show up? Took him out of the pulpit for two years. He happened to write a couple, three-volume book that was really good on the, book, on the book of Psalms. But, I mean, the man's wife, after the birth of, of their one, of either twins or the one children, uh, was bedridden. She had a, what we know now is she had a hemorrhage. For some 16 years, she was bedridden, anemic. Anemic, so anemic, couldn't get out of bed. And somehow, it staunched. It's not the trumpet. It staunched. And she was able, after he dies, 58 years old, the guy dies in pain and misery. She's able to go on, lives to 72 years old. So her cup wasn't even his cup. And for sure, his cup's not been my cup. And if you start getting feeling sorry for yourself, remember who gave you the cup. 
Well, this happened to me. It never happened to anybody else. Yes, but God gave you this cup. And just like Jesus struggled to drink from his cup, so you may, as a Christian, struggle. And in fact, as I look around here, some of you are in the midst of struggling to drink of your cup. It's hard. They suffered old, old, many of these Christians before us suffered long time in body as well as loss. They were like Jesus, willing to drink of the cup because it was God's cup. You've not grown in the Lord much if you not realize that God's will is the best will. Man, get it and get it real, real good. Listen, if you can trust Jesus to save you, you can trust Jesus to grow you. If he's, if he's trustworthy enough to be your Savior and to die for you, he's trustworthy enough to whatever happens in your life and what, however it's dished out, you just trust him for it. I'm not saying you're going to enjoy it. I'm not saying you're going to say, oh boy, here's some more pain. But I can tell you this for sure, that his will is the safest place to be. His will is the most peaceful place you'll ever be. His will will produce the most fruit that remains from your life. Uh, it really is the only way to live as a Christian. All other ways are outside of his will and less than God's best for you. Short of the goal that God has for you. Man, don't live short of the goal that God has for you. Now that's the cup, and there is a cup given to every Christian. But there also is a cup that the world offers you. The world's got a cup for you. They got a cup to drink. And this wor the world offers this cup. The world's cup. Now the Christian's cup is usually bitter at the beginning and gets sweeter as time goes on. The world's cup is different. The world and their cup and what they offer you today is sweet. At the beginning. Sweet at the beginning. Like the first time you took a sip of Mountain Dew in 1963. Man, I remember when the Coca, Pepsi, who I don't know who made it. I remember the, the pop machine we had at this at the motorcycle center sales and service in Elkhart, Indiana. And I remember going into that machine when that guy brought in some new looking green thing and you could see through it. And I, said, I remember him putting it in. And I said, What is that? And he said, That's a new drink we put out called Mountain Dew. Yahoo! Mountain Dew. I thought, Man, I got to have me when I put my dime in the machine. And that thing came out the bottom. I remember popping that. You had to, but no twist off. I popped that thing off of there and I took that thing up and I went, That first. That first drink of that, I thought I died and going to heaven. I said, "How did this ever be? This is manna. This is water out of the out of the rock, out of deep out of deep places." And I drank Mountain Dew exclusively for the next thirty thirty five years. I just want to know all your health food. I'd love to read your mind right now. Your health food people. <laughs> A lot of people who ate health food are dead. <laughs> and I'm alive. Just wanted to mention that. 
The World's Cup is sweet at the beginning, though. It's full of excitement. It's full of emotions. It's full of glamour. The cup that the world offer is they offer you a thrill on Blueberry Hill. Now, you 20-somethings go, what was that? It gives enthusiasm to you. The cup of the world is full of enthusiasm and pleasure. Look at their commercials. Why, it's more than one could ask for. And by the way, the Bible confirms this cup to be true of the world. But it words it differently. It says in James chapter 1, verse 15 through 16, when lust hath conceived, lust is passionate desire. Our flesh is full of passionate desire. And the cup of the world fits to the nth degree the desires of the eyes and the flesh and the pride. And when you drink of that cup and fulfill the lusts that are involved in all of that, the passion, it says that when lust is conceived, because it's not the will of God that you should partake in those lusts, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Sin, it bringeth forth sin. It creates sin. So when lust partakes of that cup, it creates sin. Now here's the big one. And sin... When it is finished, that means, that means there's a process. Now, it's like drinking a little arsenic every day. It doesn't affect you for a while. When it is finished indicates there's a process. Sin, when it's first conceived, you can't feel anything bad about it. You can't see anything bad about it. You can't even say anything bad about it. It's the pleasure of sin for a season. Well, Hebrews, that means there's a process for a season when it is finished. That means sin doesn't kill you outright. Living outside of God's will doesn't kill you outright. It's a process. Lust, sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth what? Death. Death is not an act. Death is a process. It's a process of agony, torture, horror. How bad does this sin have to get before people do what Robin Williams did? The cup of the world offers us unabated lust, passionate desire, hormonal extremes, abandonment to pleasure, and excitement like no other. But when you continue to drink it, it begins to dull your senses. Oh, yeah. They always say there's nothing like the first time. You know what I'm talking about. That's because you're dull. You're, God has made a process that you do, sin is, it'll be wonderful the first time, but the second time won't be quite so wonderful. Third time, a little less wonderful. Fourth time, a little less wonderful. And so what do you do? You double the dose. You kick it up. And so you don't get the thrill out of that first like you do, so you do something more extreme, more radical, more crazy. I think that's why you got homosexuality all over. I think that's why you got um, he-she's running all over. They tried everything in the book, 
and they're still not giving them the thrill. It's not giving them the enthusiasm. And so they try something really stranger, if I may use that word, and stranger and stranger. What are they going for? What are they shooting for? They want what it felt like to take that first sip of the cup the world offered them. But what happens is they can't get it. And when they continue to drink of that cup of the world, guilt begins to replace joy. Defiled conscience replaces peace. Pretty soon, sweet sleep is taken from them. You know this. Michael Jackson was put to head to sleep every night by what people get put out on an operating table with. And, and, and others, and it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely consistent with this group of people. Um, uh, Elvis Presley who had nine drugs in his system when he died. He had to take drugs to sleep and drugs to wake up. Drugs to sleep and drugs to wake up. Your body and your heart and your function just can't continue in that realm. And eventually it fails. And, and you see these, 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 what they call the 27 club. All of those people who died at 27 years old because they were drinking in that cup in a, in a, in a magnitude that eventually death was hurried to them. Because lust creates sin, and sin creates death. They just compress that time. And so they lost their sleep. Then they lost the rest of their soul, the rest. They had no rest, no rest. Whatever they did, no rest. Restlessness replaced peace. Anger and frustration and disappointment came to them. Despondency and desperation came to them. The cup of the world's left them, and the process of that left them with no hope. No hope. They had all the toys. They had all the thrills. They had all the cup had to offer. And then what they found was it was sweet at the beginning, but at the end it was bitter. Bitter cup. I've heard of testimonies of people that lived wild and crazy say, I wish I wouldn't have lived this way. Regret. Their regrets come with that cup. But I don't hear Christians talk like that. I've drank of God's cup now for all these years, since 18 years old. I, it is sweeter as the day goes by. I'm swelling in Beulah land. I mean, it's just better and better as it goes. Oh, I still have certain things that come upon me like you do. The cup of the world, sweet at the beginning, bitter at the end. The cup of God is so, so different, folks. Jesus struggled. Let's go back to Jesus in the garden. Jesus struggled as God-man to drink of his cup. Now, let me, let me, I need to stay here for a second. Three times the Bible says Jesus repeated this heartfelt statement. Father, Abba, Father, with you all things are possible. Let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Thank God he ended that. Let not, not my will, but thine be done. You know, your life and your eternal life and my eternal life was hanging on that. And there's somebody out there, their future is hanging on whether you drink a God's cup or not. 
Because you're going to be the one God's going to take to them and tell them about Jesus, that Jesus saved, show them the Bible, show them there's a better way, and show them there's another cup they can drink of other than that bitter cup of the world. And, 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 and let me tell you, oh, God don't need me, he needs you. He told his disciples, go ye into the world and preach the gospel of every creature. If that, he could have used his angels, he didn't use them. He could have written it in the sky every night in the stars, he didn't. He could have written it in, in, in the daytime. He didn't. He says, you guys that have been saved, you go out and tell other people what happened to you. If your importance of you drinking of the cup that God has given you, I believe there are eternal souls of man hanging on whether you drink it or not. Three times he returned was, let me ask you a question. Was Jesus struggling? When you read the garden account, was he not struggling, man? Bible says, it, why did it, okay, why did, it, why did the Bible tell us that he sweat as it were great drops of blood? Why? Why add that? Because the Bible wanted you to know how serious it was. How his flesh was resisting his spirit, his flesh, didn't knew what he knew what was coming. He knew the rejection. He knew the he knew the scourging. He knew the 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 whole process of crucifixion. And bigger than all that, he knew he was going to take upon the sin of the world. And 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 all of whatever he eternally as God man realized, it was repulsive to the nth degree. And he sweat as it were drops of blood, great drops of blood. He was struggling because of the sheer pain of it all. He had come, but he had come for this hour. He was born for this hour. This was his purpose in life. And if I may say, no wonder we struggle when God gives us our cup. No wonder our flesh, you mean I don't get to, people get saved in fact, I had a testimony recently of a guy that got saved, and he said, one of the hardest things for me after I got saved was to go to church. I said, why? He said, Brill, before I got saved, we jumped in the camper, went down by the river, fished for two days, you know, cooked out on the grill, had some, had some ribeyes every, you know, and I said, man, I'm just about ready to lose it. That sounded good, man, that guy. He painted a picture of something fun. I said, I've never been able to do that because the cup that God gave me was to come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and whenever God needed me. It wasn't my life, but it was his. That guy was living his life. He was drinking the world's cup. And he said, when I got saved, I realized that God, that was no good. I had to drink a God's cup. And he said, it was painful. I would be sitting in church thinking, there's guys out there catching walleye. There's guys out there catching fish. I'm in here, this guy's great. I'm listening to some red-faced Baptist preacher. No wonder Christians sometimes pause at their cup and say, why? Why? Don't be too embarrassed or ashamed that when you drink of some of your cup, you say, why? Why? 
I had gal for 25 years. I couldn't explain to you what that means. But there were times I would say, why? Had headaches, migraines, fetal position migraines where you throw up. And I would ask God in some of those, why? I'm trying to do your will. And he answered back was, this is my will. This is my will. Mm. Mm. The knots lost a boy in a motorcycle accident. And I, I wouldn't doubt a bit. There was times in privacy where they said to God, why? Why? Anybody that's had a tragedy come into their life, you may want to, humanly speaking, you come to God and say, this cup is bitter. Why? But oh, dear Christian, always finish it. Finish it like Jesus finished it. Not my will. Not my will. Not my will. But thine be done. Thine be done. Let me read a passage and I'll finish. Revelation chapter 21. Verse 4 and 7. Because see, the end of God's cup gets better and better. Our pain and our languishing at its worst is temporary. Our struggle at its worst will end. It's beautiful. It'll end. And oh, what a good day when some of that ends. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There should be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The world's cup's going to pass away. None of the world, none of the, what's in the world's cup you'll be able to take home and keep. None of it. But what God puts in His cup is going to last you for all eternity. In verse 5, my favorite verse, maybe of, the, maybe of some of the whole Bible, He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said, right, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst. Ooh, it has to do with drinking again. Him that is a thirst. I don't know if you've ever been thirsty, but I've been thirsty, man. Him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. I'll wait in line for that. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. How many things? How many things? All means all. That's deep theology. All means all. Nothing you miss out by not taking to the world's cup will you ever regret. You'll not say, oh, I wish I could have done that. No, you won't. Because when God gives you all things... Those things are so much better. In fact, Paul said the suffering of this present time is not even worthy to be put on the same comparison with the glory that shall be. And then I end with this verse, verse 7 there. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You mean I get a friend? I'd like to tell you what I think of Jesus. For I find in him a friend so strong and true. 
I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. Isn't that true? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No. And you're going to get, he'll be your God and you'll be his. There'll be no barrier between us. The cup of the Lord, the cup of God is, drink it, folks, drink it. Drink the dregs of it. Drink the bitterness of it. But understand, God's cup in the end, in the end, will be sweet. Father, help us this morning to understand the difference between these two cups. Everybody in this room gets offered those two cups. The born-again Christians in this room have decided to partake of the cup given to Jesus as the cup given to them. May Father, you help them. I know what it feels like at my age, at my uh, few years. I understand some of it. I pray, Father, that you'd help these folks to trust, these young people, these 20-somes who maybe not drank really any bitter, much bitter yet out of the cup of God, but except for the fact they've been willing not to drink out of the world's cup. You can't drink out of both cups. Which cup will it be for you this morning? God's cup, the world's cup. I hope you choose God's cup. You say, Brother Bill, I've never really looked at it that way. I've never really made the decision. I'm going to drink of the things that God has given me. I'm going to do His will. I hope you make that decision. Some people call it dedication. Some people call it rededication. Some people call it consecration. I don't care what you want to call it. But you've got to come to a place in your, I hope you come to a place in your Christian experience where you say, whatever God dishes out, I'm going to drink it. And I'm going to, here's the hard part, folks. I'm going to thank him for it. Because his cup, ultimately, is sovereignly given to you by a God that's just and holy and good. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.